trouble. Of course he what is. What from me? That's what Loki does. Whoa! Oh, dang! And you need the god of Ooh, that looks cool. Is that a Loki is unpredictable. <laughs> oh! Yo, he got decked! <laughs> he got decked in the middle! I made him out! I made him out! I needed to see that. Loki needed a good punch in the face. Oh, good that God. That was amazing. <laughs> Welcome back to New Rockstars. The clock is indeed ticking as Loki episode one is mere days away. And this latest promo footage gives us a clearer sense of how powerful exactly the TVA agents are compared to the God of Mischief. But mm -hmm. what exactly are these agents? Mm -hmm. Or as we are going to ask this episode at least, what the clock? What the clock? <laughs> we're trying out. We're trying out new things every week, and then we'll ask you guys which one you want. I it dig is, what the clock, though. I dig it. <laughs> I like what the clock. Uh, and I'll get my own Wilson impression and other ways on the show. That's not even a good one. I got it. Yo, your own Wilson impression is pretty good. It's pretty yeah, impressive. I got. I get it certain certain sentences. Other ones not so much. Hey, this is Inside Marvel. I'm Eric Voss. I'm here with MT. How you feeling, MT? I'm feeling good. I like a good Loki like trailer TV spot. Whatever. Ever. So, like, this chaos yeah. spot is pretty great. I love it. It's a good one, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're counting down the days to Loki with weekly episodes looking ahead to really all the Marvel Phase 4 titles. Mm. And this week, in addition to talking about new things we're hearing about Loki, we're going to talk about Loki's possible crossover with the other big piece of MCU news we got this week, The Eternals. Yes. Uh, and also this episode, we're going to talk about a quote we got from uh, Loki showrunner Mike Waldron about how he wants to try to connect to other MCU titles. We're also right. going to talk about Aaron Taylor Johnson, because that's some big Marvel yes. news that we want to address. Massive news. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so a reminder to check out NewRockstarsMerch.com for all of our great merch options. We got shirts like this one. We got hoodies, jackets, water bottles, whatever you need. NewRockstarsMerch.com. We got a new Loki design in the works. Hopefully we'll be able to announce it next week. But MT, what's our first question this week? Well, um, our first what the clock of the day is, what the clock exactly are the agents of the TVA and what type of life forms are they? Yeah, how powerful Ooh. are these things? Because they seem pretty powerful because they decked Loki in the face with <laughs> yeah. that trailer. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, well, in the Marvel comics, uh, and you can fact check me on this, NT, the, the TVA is just mostly depicted as this vast bureaucratic agency yeah. whose rules everyone kind of just has to follow. Uh, they have a seemingly endless number of chronomonitors, each one for each timeline. They got an infinite army of Minutemen is the name of their cops. They just arrest and detain any violators. They got this hierarchy of judges that decide these cases and enforce them. But I don't know. I don't think you often see these God-level characters waging war against the TVA oh, or or like Loki says in this show, to burn this place to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, they mostly are just like, they use the fear of the rule of law to enforce their power as exactly. opposed to any kind of physical might or magical ability. Yeah, I don't really, there's not really a lot of instances where, like, you know, gods like Loki or, or anybody really interact with the TVA. The TVA are really, like, this really authoritative authority. Like, the A in the right. TVA is very strong. So, like, yeah. because they exist outside of time and space, it's like, we have, like, a bigger jurisdiction than most other beings that reside inside of the Marvel Universe. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they aren't any particular known species. They're no. really just like cogs of the universe performing yeah. a very specific function just to keep everything running on time and to make mm -hmm. sure no rules are broken. So yeah, the power isn't in their bodies. It's really in the agency they serve. But exactly. it seems like Marvel Studios is doing something a bit different. In this Loki footage, there is a ton of fighting and conflict and <laughs> fists swung at each other's faces. <laughs> Wunmi Musagu decked Loki. 100%. Uh, nasty hook there. Yo, um, like I gotta... I, 
I replayed that like as many times as I could because it's so satisfying. It's so yeah. satisfying. <laughs> it's great to see. Uh, and like, yeah, we also see in this trailer Loki getting like ricocheted around the TVA viewing mm. room. Uh, we also see other characters like Sophia DiMartino's character, maybe Lady Loki sparring with TVA guards. And then, yeah, they use these staff-like weapons that painfully erase people from existence. Yes. Kind of disintegrating them. Yes. Um, I and, think but, that this yeah. could actually be like a, a miniaturized version of the uh, the retcon and the retcon canon of the TVA, uh -huh. which they yeah. use to erase people from from timelines. So like, it's so yeah. cool to see that visual. Yeah, it's just now this handheld weapon that's pretty cool, uh, <laughs> and it's pretty visceral. Like his scream, yeah, that scared the shit out of Loki. Uh, but what's different in the, I mean, when you're comparing this to the comics, the comics mm. have, it's it's a weird, quirky world where uh, things are just introduced for the stakes of a story. Whereas when you're bringing in the cinematic universe, mm -hmm. things all kind of have to cohabitate, you right, know? Right. So, uh, and Mike Waldron even says, like, the TVA is probably going to connect to other things in future Marvel. So we have to get a sense of what the, the power balance is. When it comes right. to the TVA. And the right. fact that they're able to arrest Loki, who is a super powerful sorcerer. He mm -hmm. possesses an Infinity Stone when they get him. That yeah. tells us that this group must be among the most powerful beings in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, yeah. They gotta. Uh, they gotta. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes me think, MT, that their power might be derived from something beyond. From some kind of cosmic level. Yeah. Uh, like, they're telling us the Timekeepers, but I'm thinking it might come from someone on the celestial or cosmic level. Maybe oh. someone like Kronos, who's the master of time. And oh I think God, Kronos yeah. is an interesting name to look at because... He's related to Thanos. He's Thanos' grandfather. He's mm -hmm. Alars' father. He's mm -hmm. also Zurus' father. And mm -hmm. Zurus was Thena's father. Uh -huh. Thena and Thanos are first cousins. Uh -huh. And we're about to get this thing. Eternals movie where this whole family tree could get explored. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, we're, we're definitely going to see the, their family, um, the family tree of Thanos explored in the Eternals. And, like, we even yeah. got um, Alars mentioned in Avengers Infinity, Infinity War, War. Was it Infinity? yeah, yes, Infinity War, yes, not Endgame, absolutely. Um, so, like, yeah, they're they're definitely teasing that line, and so if we got a Lars in the MCU already, Kronos has got to be uh, somewhere. So, yeah, I do yeah. like that Kronos connection there. And one thing I've started to explore more and more, MT, is this idea that the Celestials may have been okay with what Thanos did or what he was trying to do to snap mm. all of a half right. all life out of existence. Mm -hmm. We know that the Celestials had this uh, history with the Infinity Stones. Isan or Essen, this, we were talking before the show, we don't know <laughs> if it's Isan or Essen. Uh, but whoever that uh, Celestial was in the Collector's story in Guardians of the Galaxy had the Power Stone. Um, mm -hmm. And Nebula said in Endgame that the Soul Stone was at the center of Celestial existence. Uh, and I think there's this connection there. They may have sent Thanos on this mission to do this. Yeah. Um, and that could, uh, and maybe that's their gripe now with the Eternals, right? Is like the Eternals have been sponsoring the Avengers. If they love Captain America so much, and mm -hmm. Captain America and Iron Man, all their friends are the ones who stopped Thanos' mission. Uh, yeah. And the TVA, notice they arrest Loki. They're more upset with like people screwing up with the timeline. Why didn't they arrest Thanos at any point, you know, for yeah. his stealing of the Time Stone? Um, that must mean that according to the TVA, what Thanos did was the correct 
path was the rightful future. So that tells us they are at least uh, neutral, no opinion, or totally okay with what Thanos did mm. uh, because it was just what time was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. And now they're getting mad at people who meddled with that timeline. To them, that's a bigger violation than Thanos committing like a gen uh, <laughs> than Thanos committing genocide on a cosmic scale. Uh, so I just find it interesting that they could be linked to this higher power that would be okay with what Thanos did. And now the big conflict that the Avengers of Earth are facing, maybe the Eternals of Earth are facing, uh, is going to be with groups like the TVA and other cosmic universal authorities who mm -hmm. actually kind of wanted Thanos to carry that out. I mean, yeah, like the, the the common thread between the TVA and Thanos, like like you were alluding to earlier, is that these sort of were acting like uh, universal custodians in a way, you know, mm -hmm. because like... Thanos was trying to make sure that, like, all life in the universe could continue. And so the TVA mm -hmm. wants to make sure that all time in the universe can continue. So, like, you know, the TVA could very much be down with what Thanos was doing because what if this is not the first time that a Thanos-type figure has been running, you know, what do you call it? Running maintenance on the universe, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Right, So, yeah. like, you know, it, it could just be like, oh, man, like, Thanos is completely fine, you know? Until... You know, I feel like the TVA would not be cool with Thanos until he uh, destroyed all the stones because now the stones are outside of the timeline. Um, right. So, yeah, you know. if you're if we're comparing this all to the sci-fi of authors like Douglas Adams, right? Like in the 70s when a lot of these comics were being written, like they were totally inspired by Hitchhiker's Guide and a lot of sci-fi right. like that. Uh, a common theme in that kind of, uh, you know, sci-fi humor is that Earth is just a small part of the universe and the <laughs> interests of Earth is often completely in conflict with the interests of other larger bodies. Right. And the way that, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide begins with Earth being... Uh, <laughs> paved away for uh, <laughs> interstellar superhighway. That's kind of like what the TVA probably sees as well. They don't care about the yeah. people of Earth. Uh, Galactus obviously doesn't care about uh, the people of any one planet. He feeds off of planets, you know. Precisely. Silver Surfer is kind of co-opted into that. So mm -hmm. what we're going to start to see as the MCU starts to go more cosmic, that's the front of the war that we're going to be fighting on are uh, the Avengers and people who are loyal to Earth uh, fighting against these cosmic forces who are indifferent. And uh, oh, yeah. to me, I lump in the TVA with those cosmic forces. Oh, yeah, you gotta. I mean, like, in like, I, I love that type of perspective because, like, because we're human beings on Earth. We're just like, yeah, Earth is, like, the most important thing in the world. But, like, it's just a small speck in a massive, massive universe. And, like, right. we cannot, and, like, the people of MCU Earth cannot comprehend the overall, you know, goals of these cosmic beings. So, like, right. you know, we're sort of messing things up with, like, the events of Endgame and everything. And, like, you know, messing with the Tesseract and, like, messing oh, yeah. with all these Infinity Stones. So, you know, they're... I'm sure the Celestials and the TVA cannot stand MCU Earth. It's like, what is going right. on here? Right, Why are these yeah. people so weird? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so we're going to talk more about the TVA and about other big Marvel news. First, we want to thank some people who helped us make this episode. Uh, starting with our friends at Credit Karma Money. Uh, mm. We all like instant gratification. With Credit Karma Money, you could win cash reimbursements for debit purchases. Uh, Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases when you use your Credit Karma Money debit card. You can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. 
Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million on Instant Karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com to sign up for the free account and start winning Instant Karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking service is provided by MVB Bank Inc. Member FDIC, maximum balance and transfer limits apply. We also want to thank Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, we've learned that there's always a catch. That's what sets Mint Mobile apart. They are noticeably catch-free. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. So by cutting out retail stores, there's no crazy overhead costs that get passed down to you in the form of mystery fees. Instead, Mint just passes on those sweet savings directly to you. Here at New Rockstars, Philip switched to Mint Mobile service. He's loved it. He uses his same phone and saves a bunch of money every month. He's stuffing all that saved money into his mattress and he says he's never slept better. Mint Mobile <laughs> offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash marvel. That's mintmobile.com slash marvel. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash marvel. We also want to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this episode. Our friends at Blue Chew have a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no doctor's office or pharmacy trips. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. If you sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you receive your prescription within days. Their licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength. And Blue Chew is chewable, just like it says in the name, which is great news for folks that don't like swallowing pills. So, if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information and we've got a special deal for our audience try bluechew free when you use the promo code inside marvel at checkout just pay the five dollars in shipping that's bluechew.com promo code marvel to receive your first month free and we thank bluechew for sponsoring this show all right so back to loki um yes. there's this interesting line in the promo mt where uh mobius and mobius told loki like you brought chaos to our timeline mm. which is just interesting because the tva is supposed to oversee all these different timelines so right. what is this what timeline are they attached to does that mean he is specifically attached to this timeline or is that is there like a prime timeline in the way that the marvel studios is doing it ah that's a good question i think that there is like a a, a prime timeline and like the timeline that the main universe is set in is is the main timeline like and so the timeline that we're in loki that he, he branches off to he sort of makes his own timeline and i think that mm -hmm. from what we learn in avengers endgame with um, the ancient one I think that when, you know, a timeline gets branched off, that timeline's basically sort of doomed because mm -hmm. there, there aren't um, the, and in, like all six Infinity Stones inside of that timeline. So yeah. I'm not sure if the TVA especially cares about if, you know, branch timelines sort of get all wrong because like it's that main timeline they're trying to preserve. So like maybe that chaos on that, you know, purple planet is a timeline just just going to ship because there isn't a, yeah. um, all six infinity stones in it but who knows um, i like that idea a lot uh or that maybe there are two tesseracts in that or mm. two space stones in that universe and it causes the rules of uh spatial relationships between planets and heavenly bodies to break down and fall apart and moons crash into their surfaces of the yeah. planets they're being the satellite of 
Um, That'd yeah, be sick. no. <laughs> like, and it's so weird in the in this promo footage that after Loki gets booked and he's in his detainee jumpsuit, you mm. still see him holding that tesseract. Which, like, mm. what does that mean? They they don't want the tesseract to be destroyed, or they don't want the space stone to be destroyed. Did they remove the space stone from the tesseract? It's like there's a lot of mystery of who built that tesseract around the space stone. Exactly. Because the well, tesseract was understood to be something different before you know people knew that there was an infinity stone in it. Yeah, like, I, I, what what is the purpose of the actual Tesseract um, container? Like, I've always wanted to learn, like, what is going on. And what is that, that, that weird glow inside of the Tesseract box that surrounds the actual space Infinity Stone? Like, what these right. questions need to be answered. Because, like, I Yeah, need can to the know. Tesseract open portals without the Space Stone? I think the implication is no. It need Only the Space Stone can have those kind of bifrost yeah. to them, you know? Yeah, and like, you know, that's what the whole deal with uh, Project Pegasus is. I think that, you know, a lot mm. of that, you know, that weird goo inside of the, the weird, like, sludge or whatever it is inside of the Tesseract is dark energy. Like, because, like, that's mm. what uh, the Pe uh, Project Pegasus is um, really messing around with. So, right. um, you know, we could, we could learn, like, hey, this is a box that contains dark energy, which, you know, it kind of contains the power of the, soul, uh, the space stone. I don't know. But, like, you know, yeah. Project Pegasus definitely saw the value in, in, in uh, was trying to break down the, the Tesseract anyway. Um, yeah, uh, I think so. Um, yeah, it's early in MCU phase one. I think they didn't, they called it the Tesseract, but it was really based on the cosmic cube, uh, which was right, a different right. thing. Uh, mm -hmm. And it wasn't until, what do we want to say around uh, guardians of the galaxy? I think it started with Thor, the dark world was the mm -hmm. first one to introduce the idea of infinity stones, which even if you go back and rewatch that movie, uh, clearly, they brought in Anthony Hopkins uh, in ADR after the fact to mention the idea of an Infinity Stone. And I think it's because they were working on um, Age of Ultron at that point. Right. Um, like, they started to write Age of Ultron while Thor The Dark World was in post-production. So I guess that somewhere in there, Kevin Feige was talking with Joss Whedon. Uh, and they're like, let's start laying the seeds for this in some of these movies. Uh, and at that point, they made the Tesseract uh, the container of the Space Stone. Maybe I, that seems like a really rational, like logical yeah. way of the, how things could have gone. So, but it yeah. was done. The point is, that it was done after the fact. You know, yeah. like they didn't plan all this out ahead of time. It was kind of like, we'll just make as many Marvel movies as people will be willing well, to go see. And then mm -hmm. once it was super popular, they're like, oh, let's kind of retcon some of this stuff to make it all connect. <sighs> see, like that does make sense, but like I don't know, man. I just feel like Kevin Feige has really been like. He's had, like, a, an idea of, like, all this stuff since, like, probably as early as, like, uh, Avengers 1, maybe? Like, I think he's I had, I think he's had a, a broad vision. And mm. the guy's been a genius. I'm not saying this to knock him at all. Um, oh, yeah. It's sure. just, I don't think he's had a perfect vision of everything. Because otherwise, they wouldn't have made the stones the color they made them. They would have just matched it with the color from the comics. They True. wouldn't have put Thanos' gauntlet in Odin's vault. Uh, because you could see them make these little jokes afterwards where Hell pushes it over saying fake. <laughs> this is like, true, yeah. There are all these little details where, I mean, there was even like Mephisto in uh, in the paperwork that Nick Fury gave Cap uh, in the first Avengers movie. So clearly Whedon and his it, uh, prop team was like, oh, we're going to do the Infinity Gauntlet storyline with Mephisto, you know, who is that yeah. Thanos' I think there's that. actually also like a sword reference within uh, that Agent Carter one-shot um, uh -huh. When she opens up the drawer, it's like it's sword to shield and all that stuff. I'm like, sword? Has it been around for that long? Wait, time yeah, I think Has... Selvig mentioned sword uh, at the end of Thor. He's talking about uh, shield and sword, I think. Uh, okay. Or you have to listen closely, or it's maybe in the captions. 
Okay. So, like, was has Sword really just been in the universe all this time and I just didn't know? I think that's the idea of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Impossible. I know everything, Eric. I just don't know. <laughs> things. No, it's ridiculous. Uh, um, but, like, yeah. No, I totally yeah. understand. And, like, I think um, I remember watching, like, or reading an interview or something with James Gunn saying that, like, they changed the color of um, the Power Stone mid uh, production of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it's going to be red. So, yeah, so, like, you know, you're right. Like, things sort of just, like, you know, they're figuring things out on the way, sort of. Right, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, let's talk about Eternals, right? Do you mm. think Loki could cameo in Eternals? Because Eternals had that um, that volcano eruption, and a lot of people were like, whoa, is that Mount Vesuvius that we saw in the background of the Loki footage? Mm. Uh, I'm not so sure about that, but what do you think, MT? Um, I think that it'd be a great way for, you know, to, to connect the Eternals to the broader MCU. And, like, you know, they're going across time the long way and, like, Loki's popping through time. So, like, <laughs> it, I think that that's highly possible. You know, we might even see Eternals in Loki as, like, uh -huh. a little primer for, for what's to come. Because, like, that's what these Marvel shows sort of do. It's like, hey, you know, we're, we're sort of, like, you know, a nice little spice to the, the you know, the movie MCU. Uh -huh. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's some crossover potential there. But what, what do you think? What you got? Potential for sure. Here's the deal. I want Loki to cameo in everything. And <laughs> part of me still thinks that that dude in the background who kind of looked like Tom Hiddleston in Avengers Endgame when they're in the 70s at Camp Lehigh, there's some dude sitting on a bench. And I I know I pointed that in a video before, like, was that Loki in the 70s? <laughs> Hanging out at Camp Lehigh. I hope watching it is. That'd be Tesseract. great. That'd be so great. If they tie that back in, whoa, oh my god, that wonderful would be insane. masterpiece! Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. I just think the shape of that volcano in uh, in the Eternals trailer just looks different than the shape of the volcano. Uh, we don't really know fully what Vesuvius looked like. That was seventy nine A.D. But right. in the Loki footage, they used footage from Mount Saint Helens, which had a kind of a flatter shape to it, whereas this is a bit more pointed. Mm. Uh, and I I think it's more likely that that's some you know civilization the Eternals failed to protect or failed to save, and I would I'm hoping that ends up being Atlantis and the volcano Ooh, erupts and it causes oh my god the, the yes. landmass to break off and then sink into the ocean. Oh my god, something yeah like that'd be like a really great way to like tease Namor because like yeah. we, we're we're gonna get Namor very soon. He's gotta come. I hope so. Um, and like it's oh, I, they gotta cast uh, what's his name Glenn from The Walking Dead. Steven, oh, Steven oh, Yoon. Yeah, Yoon. yeah. Steven yes. Yoon would be great. Steven Yoon. He'd be great. That guy needs to get in the MCU. Cast him. Oh, for sure. He's please. going to be in the MCU eventually. Like he's yeah. just too. He's too great of an actor. That's amazing. Uh, and a really Either nice guy. No he used to uh, perform at the improv theater. I used to perform at. He'd always have a huge, huge crowd. It would be fun because he would play in one of the back theaters, uh, and uh, he could play on any stage he wanted. But he just had mm. a friend who hosted a show in one of the back theaters, and those were the tiny stages. Me and my indie teams would uh, put up shows, and it'd yeah. be like normally you have like twelve people in the audience. It's just you and the other teams that are performing, just watching you. That's it. Yeah. Uh, but there'd be one I had like a ten thirty show, and then I would see like. 50 people come out of the theater from the show before and i'd be uh -huh. like what the hell is going on and these are people you never see it at the, the theater before all younger folks yeah and then the last one to come out would be oh steven Yun. Okay. <laughs> that's why that's why there are 50 people crammed in there because you just tweeted him to power you know it's it's yeah. just the it's that yun magnetism uh -huh, like, uh -huh. they just come to him you know yeah yeah uh now 
actually, I should read this quote exactly from Mike Waldron. He did an interview, uh, mm. I think it was with Total Film, and he said, quote, all of these stories in their own way are interconnected and have ramifications. I think that certainly our aim with the Loki series was for it to have wide-reaching ramifications across the MCU moving forward. So, you know, was I having to clean up some of the messes that I made with Loki? Maybe so. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. I think that's a... Uh, if he said he was just trying to tell his own story, as most of these other people do, like when he asked mm. the showrunners of WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, he's saying, no, 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 I want to connect to as many things as I possibly can, mm. uh, which gets me really excited for this show, which our next question kind of addresses that. Okay, so our next What the Clock of the Day is, in this trailer, Loki says a bit of both, something that Wanda chirps in episode three of WandaVision, of course. So could Loki join Wanda in spreading chaos in the multiverse of madness, Eric? Yeah, I hope so, right? Like, that, right? that seems like the perfect place for Loki to pop up. I mean, both titles, Loki and Multiverse of Madness, are dealing with, like, the fragility of reality. Right. right? And right. how you screw with the, the rules of the universe, chaos is going to come from that. And this this term chaos coming up in this trailer, it seems synonymous with Multiverse of Madness, right? Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, like, you know, Loki is a god of chaos he's not the god of chaos but like he's a god of mischief and so like you know it'd be a great way to you know like sort of connect that the chaos that like you know a concept that loki is sort of introducing to these different realities mm -hmm. to multiverse of madness like there is definitely some type of connection there but like i don't know if loki will end up connecting to multiverse of madness directly because like i think that there may be a difference between timelines branch timelines and like actual different universes different realities because um, like yeah because like i think that you know one universe can have a zillion different timelines and like each universe might have their own tva i don't know but like i just think uh -huh. that you know all of the timelines that we're going to see in loki are um contained into the one um marvel the mcu that we know Mm -hmm. um so i don't know but it, yeah. it, there is a definite connection there with with chaos for sure right and i'm with you i'm not uh certain this means loki I, obviously both them saying a bit of both it doesn't mm. mean that he's got a cameo in, in, uh, <laughs> i mean star lord said that too. <laughs> yeah uh right yeah a lot of people say that um but uh i think just the nature of the characters do lead themselves to be in similar kind of stories for sure mm. uh i would say that when it comes to the way Marvel Studios is uh, structuring their multiverse, mm. the fact that Endgame was all about time and timelines leads me to think that timelines are going to be the way they dis uh, they distinguish one reality from the other. Yeah. Um, and that's only because mm. that they could have done anything uh, to do the logic of Endgame. They didn't have to make it a time travel movie. They could have used magic of branch realities. And I'm True. just going to an alternate reality and we're pulling it from there. Uh, they could have, you know, they uh, they didn't have to make it a, something that had to teach us something about quantum mechanics and uh, the EPR <laughs> paradox and stuff. That was a choice. And I think that was deliberate by Kevin Feige. Mm. He told the writers of uh, that movie, I want time travel to be part of this. I want mm. timelines to be an element of this movie. And they're like, uh, okay, all right, cool. And the reason we bring up Endgame so much is it's not only the most profitable movie like ever for Marvel, mm -hmm. uh, it's the fact that like Marvel is obsessed with Endgame. Marvel referenced Endgame in both of their titles since then. It's all about the events of that movie were so game-changing. Every Marvel title since then has been kind of obsessed with it. I assume Black Widow won't be, but yeah. it seems like everything else will be. So yeah, I think... 
since that movie's about timelines, I think the MCU going forward will be kind of about timelines. Yeah, I mean, like they they that's the yeah you're totally right. That's the first movie that really introduced the concept of um you know branching timelines and all that stuff. Yeah. So like you know, yeah, I definitely for sure they they at Marvel Studios definitely sees the value in Endgame and will keep referencing Endgame and like the the ramifications of Endgame moving forward. I mean, we got a whole movie called Quantumania coming out. Yeah, and like, exactly. That is hardcore yeah, exactly. leaning on Endgame. So yeah, for it's, sure, it's great. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of the Maximoff family, let's talk about Aaron Taylor Johnson being cast as Craven the Hunter by Sony, and this is going to be a solo film. Um, they announced it. They announced that it would be a solo film last year, I believe. Uh, it's kind of like what they're doing with uh, Morbius, Living Vampire, with Venom, and Venom: Let There Be Carnage. Uh, it seems like these are all other Spider-Man villain movies, where the the villain is kind of the antihero of the story, and Spider-Man mm. won't be in it. Um, and it looks like it'll be based on the storyline of Craven's Last Hunt, which is an amazing uh, comic right. event uh, that I highly recommend you check out. Really, really delves into the character of Craven as this kind of tragic figure. Very cool. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, MT? I think that this is a huge piece of of news because, like, I I think that this is part of like something that I've been thinking about ever since WandaVision. And it's something called the Boner Effect. Uh, named after <laughs> Ralph Boner. And, you know, because people are like, oh my God, why isn't Evan Peters playing Quicksilver? Like, that was the big question. And I think that every universe has the same faces, like the same actor faces, but sometimes they're in different roles. And so when I heard that Aaron Taylor Johnson is going to be Craven the Hunter, I was like, oh my God, this makes sense because the face, this is the face of Pietro or, you know, for I should say Aaron Taylor Johnson in another universe being portrayed as Craven. So like this makes me feel that, you know, we're going to see this Craven within whatever Spider-Verse type Sinister 6 is going on because, mm -hmm. you know, he probably has his own, you know, dealings with maybe a different version of Spider-Man. Like what if there's like a Spider-Man mm -hmm. that's literally like insane and is like murdering mm -hmm. people or whatever. It's like I have to hunt this guy. You know, yeah. he's my biggest prey. And so like whenever you know, whoever comes to pick Craven up to be part of the Sinister Six is like, well, in my universe, Spider-Man's insane. So like, yeah, mm -hmm. I'll join you guys, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just think this is like the beginnings of like multiverse shenanigans and like, yeah, it's going to be great. But how do you feel about this? Um, I'm OK with it. I don't really have an opinion either way. Um, I think a couple different camps of people were annoyed with this news. You have the group mm. of folks who wanted Craven to be played by someone else like Jason Momoa or something like mm. that. But whenever I hear that, I, it annoys me whenever people are cast in roles and then everyone on Twitter becomes a casting director. Uh, <laughs> it's like, why don't you just trust actors to act? You know, yeah. like it's the same thing with Heath Ledger. When Heath Ledger was announced for Dark Knight, everyone oh, was like, God. oh, pretty boy Heath Ledger. Uh. It's like, trust him to be an actor. Like you can, exactly. actors' jobs are to emulate and to uh, mm -hmm. change their bodies, to change their voices, to change their uh, mannerisms, to convey something. Mm. Uh, so suspend your disbelief. Don't just attach a face to a character forever. Mm. Um, but the other side of this is I think people are also kind of weirded out by Sony taking a well-known uh, superhero face from the MCU. Mm. and But I think that also tells us that Marvel did not have plans to bring back um, Aaron Taylor Johnson as Pietro. 
Um, yeah. So for those people who thought that the reason they made Evan Peters just Ralph Boner uh, and not the Fox version of Quicksilver is because they had plans to bring back Aaron Taylor Johnson. It sounds like neither of those are Marvel's plan. And the question then becomes, well, then what is Marvel's plan? Because we should have some version of Quicksilver in the MCU. The version we should have, the reason we should have every uh, Marvel hero in some form in the MCU. I think eventually we're looking ahead in multiverse reset. I think sometime in the next three or four years, there's just going to be some event because all these actors' contracts are going to run out. You know, mm -hmm. Chris Hemsworth isn't going to be the only person playing Thor forever. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're going to start seeing all these roles recast. 100%. And that way we'll have everyone be able to come back. Any character that might have been killed off, you know, you can bring back other new people and recast whoever you want. And I think that's going to be their plan with all the X-Men, uh, with Quicksilver, with Wolverine. With yeah. Everybody. For sure. I feel like the X-Men, you know, the, the proper MCU X-Men, whenever they show up, they're going to be new iterations. But I do feel like we are going to get, you know, like you said, like a, some type of event, like maybe a Secret Wars or something where we see, yeah. you, know, a, that, you know, our favorite Quicksilver from the Fox universe, where we see, you know, maybe the Fantastic Four with, with Chris Evans making an appearance as part of the boner effect. See, um, I don't think that's going to happen. I you don't think, think so? No, I, I don't think they're going to bring in Hugh Jackman. I don't think they're going to bring in Ian McKellen. The fact they brought in Evan Peters, I don't think they brought... I think once Evan Peters was re revealed as Ralph mm. Boner, uh, well, I think I mean, like, that kind of put the nail in the coffin to those theories. Because other than Ryan Reynolds coming mm. over as Deadpool, what other actors is Marvel interested in bringing back? And those actors are also interested in coming back. Hugh Jackman's done. I don't think he wants to play. Wolverine well, like, I don't think that, you know, if, if they do like bring in like past actors, I don't think it's going to be for the long haul. I think that it's probably going to be for like this celebratory, like this is Marvel, like secret wars type movie where it's just, like, this is one contained event. And then, you know, they're gone forever. And now we're moving forward. See, like, I don't even think they're going to do that because really? that one event, is going to mm. be huge. And mm. I think they'd be worried, rightfully so, that it would confuse fans' minds. That So then who is Wolverine in this universe? I've mm. paid money to see this guy right now as Wolverine. So it's going to make it more confusing if in the next movie they're like, just kidding, here's our Wolverine. <laughs> I think Marvel's going to invest its money in whatever mm. their new... Uh, people are also, this is a financial consideration. Those actors, even for a cameo, is going to be expensive as hell. It's true. You could it's save true. so much more money by just casting actors who have not been in a ton of stuff, but are still super talented and giving them a mm. chance to play these roles. I think that's going to be their way forward. I don't think they're going to, they're going to dust off, uh, you know, Hugh Jackman, Ian McKellen. Oh man, it would be, I, be I just feel like, I, the seek, I, I really feel like a Secret Wars type deal is coming. We're like, and I agree. I think a Secret yeah. Wars type deal is coming too, but it's going to mm. be with new actors playing these characters. I don't mm. think it's going to be with the old actors. It's just not how okay. Hollywood works. Okay. Um, I mean, like, that's very logical, though. That's very logical. So, like, that's probably, you know, a very likely route that they'll they'll take. But, like, man, yeah. I just feel like there's, it, there's a lot of money to be made within this huge multiverse clash thing. But I don't know. I mean, it's the same that. way, like, uh, I mean, they're not recasting Wesley Snipes as Blade. They're bringing in Herschel Ali. There are bigger names yeah. right now you can get to play these roles. <laughs> bringing the Wesley Snipes impossible. Just as much, you know? I think if you if you try to get, uh, you know, whoever your dream cast is from the past um, installments, getting Chris Evans to play, they'd rather have Chris Evans play Captain America in some other mm. form. They're not going to get him to play Johnny Storm. They're going to want their new Johnny Storm. Whoever it this is. is true. Um, but I mean, that's just my thinking on it. Whatever. I've been wrong before with how. Oh, uh, no. Like, it's it's very logical. I mean, I'm just thinking, like, with my, like, you know, bright eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh, it'd be 
great to see every, the, everybody yeah. that I love again. But like, I, me too. I mean, I'd love <laughs> to see Hugh Jackman come back. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, yeah. But uh, I do think that one thing when it comes to this Aaron Taylor Johnson news, mm. Sony's got to figure out their version of a live action Spider-Man. Uh, and I don't think they can either. It's a contractual thing or a financial thing. They can't get Tom Holland in there to play mm. Peter Parker in the movie because then it becomes a Spider-Man movie. But yeah. it doesn't make sense for all these characters to just be in their own worlds without Spider-Man in it because all of their existence are directly tied to Spider-Man. It was weird exactly. in the first Venom movie to have this Venom story without Spider-Man in it. I think it's going to be weird in Venom Let There Be Carnage. I think it's going to be super weird in Morbius. And it seems like they're kind of walking this line of having like Spider-Man sightings, but Peter Parker's not going to be in it. So mm. like, bring in Miles Morales. Like, do something yeah. to have yeah. a Spider-Man in the story. Um, and, you know, like, I like your idea, MT, of having the Spider-Man be the villain of that universe, you know? That'd be um, dope. But I think audiences are going to reject it after a while of, like, why am I watching this story? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, like, something that just popped into my brain when you were talking is that, like, what if the reason why there are no Spider-Mans in, you know, Venom's universe or, like, potentially, you know, Craven's universe is that... Morlin and the inheritors are I killed them before like you know their stories even began like what if like this is part of the the spider-verse narrative it's like there is no spider-man because he's dead like he was yeah eaten. So, i like, want that uh i would love that <laughs> that uh, would be if, a great if way that's the reason behind it um i think <laughs> the hard part i think for a lot of fans is we love the version of spider-man that we have right now with tom holland oh yeah uh and like, Tom Holland's not going to be playing this part forever, but let's be honest, the reason they have this sharing deal with uh, Marvel is because Kevin Feige's uh, guidance in it has been mm. a big reason why this character is successful. The fact that Spider-Man could show up in Civil War and Infinity mm. War and Endgame, like, it's this sense of a promise that just around the corner from him are the Avengers. Uh, right. And the Avengers are connected with this story. I think you need that. I think you need, to, for him to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, he needs to be part of a friendly neighborhood. Right. And if Sony can't deliver that, uh, then I, I think a lot of fans aren't excited about a future where only Sony is doing Spider-Man stories. Like, but at the end of the day, is Sony ever going to sell the rights to these Marvel characters back to Disney? <sighs> Sony would have to be in dire financial straits to yeah. do that. And right now they have uh, plenty of ways to make money aside from Hollywood. They can buffer a bad year of, of movie releases with selling more PlayStations. <laughs> to who? I ain't got one. I, it's so hard to get a PS5, dude. It's right, so yeah. annoying. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. But, like, yeah, no, for sure. Like, I feel like Sony's not really willing to sell Spider-Man because he's a cash cow in more than he one way. He makes them so much money. He's so much money. Even the profit money. share that they get with Disney, because Disney's taking a bigger chunk of it, Sony still can bankroll all their other investments in terms of film production budgets. With just the money they make from these Spider-Man movies. Even Venom, without Spider-Man in it, made mm -hmm. a shit ton of money for them. Yeah, like, those Spider-Man-related characters. Like, Spider-Man's, like, whole, like, story since, like, he started. He's, there's so many interesting characters in his universe that, like, yeah. Sony, you know, struggles with making, um, you know, pro like, you know, individual properties for outside of the Marvel Universe, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's just really frustrating. But, hey, yeah, whatever. <laughs> 
we'll take we get a. I'm excited for Aaron Taylor Johnson. I think the guy's hell a yeah. great actor. I think he's gonna act the hell out of this. Is great Hunter. casting. This is fantastic. He's gonna be casting. really good like, in this role. He's gonna kick um, ass. It's gonna be so. Sick. Definitely makes me more excited for this movie than I was before. Because um, mm. Aaron Taylor Johnson's great, and uh, and I'm excited to see what Marvel eventually does for the X Men and Quicksilver. Um, I think they're looking forward, not looking to the past, and maybe that's for the best. Um, but, uh, let us know your comments down below. I'm sure you will either way. Um, <laughs> it's okay to disagree with us. Just try oh, yeah. to be respectful to each be other. Be nice, everybody. To... It's okay yeah. to disagree. Just be like, yeah. hey guys, this is why I don't agree. That's okay. Yeah, I'm not saying, dialogue. neither of us are saying the studios have to do one thing or another. We don't own these characters, right? Yet. So <laughs> Just we're not, we're not, yeah, one day, one day, if we are going to get our own, uh, studios, we'll run it. We're starting but, to go yeah. fund me. <laughs> Yeah, but in the meantime, we're not going to gatekeep and say that the studios have to do one thing over another, right? Uh, that's not our. That's not. It's what not we our do. style. It's not what we uh, do. Here. But uh, thank you for joining us for this episode of Inside Marvel. We'll be back next Friday for one more Friday episode of Inside Marvel. But then after that, we're moving to Wednesday. It's Wednesday. For my our dudes. Loki after shows. It's going to be fun. <laughs> so follow MT at Mastertainment. Follow me at EA Voss. Follow New Rockstars. And subscribe to Inside Marvel wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to New Rockstars here on YouTube. Thanks for watching. Bye. Bye.